seating. Um, good to have you guys here today. Um, if you're new, my name is Sheldon. I'm pastor here. Um, we are a new church in a way. Uh, we were remnants of an old church, starting as a new church in this area. And so we are still figuring a few things out, just like you probably are in your life, hopefully. Uh, if you got it all figured out, and um, good for you. <laughs> but we're still figuring some things out. Um, but we are thankful that God has placed us here, and uh, we're excited about what he's asking us to do in this community. And, and so we're, we're, we are excited about this church. We are called Journey Church. We just changed the name. We were Central City Church. changed the name to Journey Church. And so that's been going for about a week, month, something in that range, a couple weeks. We still have all our signs changed, but we're getting there. Uh, but we are in a series, we're, um, a sermon series. So if you want to follow along, you can take notes in one of these here. Um, we are looking at what we're calling relational vampires. Um, we are nearing up to Halloween. It's coming up Wednesday. Kids go trick-or-treating, dress up in different things. Vampires, Halloween, they suck your blood. Uh, relational vampires are those people in your life that suck the life out of you. Uh, I don't know if you've ever met somebody that way who uh, just has a, a great ability, a spiritual gift of sucking the life out of you. Um, so uh, we've looked at controlling people. Um, some people are very controlling. And, and in all of these, we're not trying to act very uh, prideful, like those are all those people out there. The truth is every one of these sermons has been back to us because we are ourselves relational vampires more, more often than not. So uh, we talked about controlling people. We talked about critical people. Uh, sometimes we can be overly critical. And uh, we can really suck the life out of the situation through criticism. And uh, we're going to finish up next week talking about hypocritical people. Um, nobody really likes hypocrites, but there's still a lot of them. So uh, what do we do about that? And the big idea is God has asked all of us, if we are believers, if we are followers of Jesus, to love people. Right? So we're supposed to love people, but not everybody's equally easy to love. Um, and so it's easy to love that really nice, sweet person that bakes you cookies and bakes other nice fine goods. Thank you, Cecilia, my daughter. Um, so easy to love Cecilia because she bakes cookies for me all the time. Um, she's a sweet little girl. Um, but there's other people that, you know, they're a little more challenging. And so God does not give us a free pass. And the people that bake cookies, you love them. The people that get on your nerves, you, you don't have to. Uh, we, we're supposed to love all people. And so as Christians, God wants us to do that. And, and this, this morning, we're looking at uh, what we call needy people. Needy people. Now, I want to try to define this because this is a pretty comprehensive, complex uh, subject here. Um, uh, the Bible talks that we're supposed to love all people. And it, over and over again, if you want to take notes, I'll give you some, some scripture references you can write down. But over and over again, it talks about loving people that are in need. Over and over again, people that are in need. I actually, uh, if you don't know, I work here at Mission Lexington. I'm the finance director here at Mission Lexington. Uh, this organization has been here in the community for 40 years, serving people in need. And so it, it was founded by the Lutheran churches of the area. And then as it continued on, you see these churches on the wall, a bunch of churches, most all the churches in the community support us here at Mission Lexington to help people in need. And so this is, this is not born out of um, me being unfamiliar with the need of the community. In fact, this community, a lot of people think, oh, Lexington's a lake community. Uh, you know, people riding their boats around and stuff. The truth is, there's a lot of need here. There's not all people riding their boats around. Uh, there's people that are really struggling, going through things. And so what do we do as believers? What do we do as Christians to help those in need? And then 
uh, what we call needy people. Let me break this down. I put some boxes on here that are going to be too small. But before we get there, let me let me give you some scripture references. Deuteronomy fifteen eleven. It's in the Old Testament. It says that we should be open-handed. Uh, this is uh, God speaking to the Israelites, but open-handed with our fellow Israelites. These are fellow people in the community. Be open-handed with what we have. Ephesians 4.28 says that we should basically get a job. We've been stealing. Stop stealing. Get a job so that you can help somebody else. So that's in the Bible. Ephesians 4.28. Um, Galatians 6.2 says that we need to carry each other's burdens. Well, that's your responsibility, right? Well, it does get a little complicated, but there is that command. And if you want to look that one and read that this week, Galatians 6 talks about, in the same breath, carrying other people's burdens and also people needing to carry their own load. So there's, there's a, an interesting dynamic there. It's not simple, cut and dry. Uh, hey, here's my burden. You carry it. You know, David, you're now the, my burden carrier. Um, that's good. That's good. That's right. I know, but I'm done with that. So I'm going to start giving you mine. So, um, right? Hebrews 13.6 says, do good. Our responsibility is to do good and share with others. All right? Get that name? When you have cheese dip, steak, it's got to go to somebody else other than you. All right? Uh, Romans 12, 13. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. I could go on and on, on and on. There's so many scriptures, I won't do that. But 1 John, I'll give you one more. 1 John 3, 17. Um, it says, if anybody has the world's goods and sees somebody in need and doesn't move their heart to try to do something, then they're like, how, how does the love of God rest in your heart if, if you don't uh, want to help somebody who's in need? So that's something fundamental to being a, a believer is wanting to help those in need. But I want, to, I want to try to unwrap the complexity of this. And I don't think I'm going to do it completely, but I'm going to try to. Because this is not just simple, okay, we need to help people. Now, anybody who ever asks you for something, uh, hey, I need 100 bucks. Oh, well, I'm a Christian. i got to give you 100 bucks. You know, it, it's not that, it doesn't work that way, right? So, so we do need to help people, but how do we do that? And how do we do that in such a way, the big idea is to help them without hurting them and to help them without hurting ourselves in the process. So we got to understand that. So look at this. There's all types of all sorts of needs. There's all sorts of relationships that we have. And there's all types of people that we encounter. Look at this. For the types of needs, there's financial needs, people going through crisis. There's people with ongoing financial needs. There's people with uh, just a momentary crisis. They lost their job. Um, that's what this ministry here serves to help people in crisis. People have go through hard times. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm, I'm up against this bill I can't pay. And this is going to have a chain reaction of problems, so what could you do to help me? And this ministry here, Mission Election, serves people who are in crisis. Now, people come also here that are not necessarily in crisis, but their whole life is a crisis. Mm -hmm. and, and we want, paying your bill is not going to fix that fact that your whole life is a crisis. So we have, then have some discernment here, so how, what do we do? So anyway, there's financial needs, there's physical needs. People have sickness, disease, pain, Ongoing things, I mean, and so you may know somebody, you may be that person. There's emotional, psychological needs that people have, depression, suicidal thoughts, on and on. There's social and relational needs. People need friends. They need relational skills so they can make friends. They need, uh, there are people that are going through domestic violence, uh, marriage problems. They need counseling, um, mentoring. They need father figures. There's educational, informational type of needs where they need training, guidance. If I would have known this, then I wouldn't have done that. There's, if I just had that information, it would have helped me in life. If I'd have known this, I could have made the A on the test, but I didn't know. Give me something, man. Come on, well, stay with me, Dave. Stay with me, bud. All right. Um, there's people who have addictions in their lives, life-controlling issues. 
dealing with substance abuse, they're dealing with some other addiction or, or dependency, and they need support, they need some help, they need to go through recovery. Um, people, uh, and all of these are spiritual needs. That's the greatest of all. We have spiritual needs where we're disconnected from God, and we have a disconnection from our Creator, and so it, it brings an emptiness into our life that often we try to fill with other things It creates more and more problems, creates more and more needs, more and more issues, because the, the fundamental issue is that we're disconnected with the one who made us, and our, our life is empty. So we try to fill it with something. There's all types of relationships. You have your immediate family. So there's all these needs, and then there's all these people, right? There's, there's, there's your immediate family. It's my wife. It's my son. Um, I have uh, people I'm, as, a, as a father, I'm responsible for, and I, I need to help them. Um, you may have stepkids, siblings, grandparents. Um, there's extended family, aunts, uncles, cousins. When you win the Powerball, then you have a bunch of cousins. You know, they all come out of the woodwork. You have all these cousins you never knew about because you won the Powerball. And they all become part of your family. Um, you got friends that are from the range of your BFF. All right, your best friend forever. If you didn't know what that meant, okay, I'm just want to test you out there. Um, and then you got acquaintances. You got everybody in the middle, right? You have people you just kind of barely know, people that you're really close to, and all the people in the middle. You have church family. All right, there's people in your church, kind of close to my church family. Some people you kind of know really well, so barely know. Um, there's other old church family, right, Mike? People you used to go to church with, not old people, sorry, uh, <laughs> but you're old, you know, used to go to church, oh, I used to go to church with that person, now they, you know, kind of connect with them here and there, they hit me up on Facebook, um, there's other church, other people in other churches in the community that are, are believers and they're a church family because they're part of the Christian family, um, there's other Christians in the world, you go to on a missions trip to uh, Portugal and there's some Christians, well, they're part of the, the family of God, we're, we're connected somehow here. Uh, you have your neighbors, you know, trick or treat, knock on the doorbell, borrow, you know, get a stick of butter and all that type of stuff. Um, you got classmates, coworkers. Um, you got the community people, people that you know in the community. You go and there's your barista that got you your coffee. All right, Mary up at Starbucks, uh, Virginia. There's some other ones up there that I see. I'm like, what's up? Hey. So, um, you know, Mike knows a ton of people in the community. He's always saying hey to people. Um, there's those people that you know. There's people that you may not know, but you will know. There's the coaches. Uh, your kids' teams, the parents, on and on and on. There's city, state, country, world. There's so many people, right? And guess what? Everybody's got some sort of need in their life. Yeah. I just want to build this out for you to think of the complexity of this. If, if you on yourself start thinking, God has asked me to meet every need. <laughs> Imagine the weight of that on your shoulders. Yeah. I'm a Christian. I have a good heart. I want to help people. And there's all these people, all these needs, and i got to do everything about it. I don't know if that's what God is telling us to do. So we're trying to unwrap that and really dive into this today. And there's types of people. I want to break it down simply like this. There's, there's people with a need, which at some level is everyone. And then there are needy people. Needy people always have a need, and it never goes away. That's just fundamental to who they are. Because of whatever, maybe their upbringing, maybe it was uh, just something that happened as, as a child or whatever it may be. This is just how they function. I always have a need, and it never is really going to go away. It's just maybe move to something else. And that's just fundamental to who they are. So um, needy people are kind of what we're talking about today. These are people who are always in need. Maybe you have a relationship with them. Maybe they're always kind of the one that dominates the conversation. They need attention. They always tell you the same story every time. You're know, talking the same story. Oh, okay, all right. Or there's always um, negative. They're the victim. They need you to agree with them all the time, you know. Um, maybe you do something out of the kindness of your heart, but it's still not enough. Like, you still did something wrong. Like, uh, you know, okay. This could be, I mean, it could be any sort of person. Maybe they need friends. Maybe they need money. It's that insecure person at the office fishing for compliments. 
hey, did you like that? Did that do good? Um, as friends, it's just always on the struggle bus. No matter what it is, they're riding the struggle bus. And uh, that's just what they do. Um, and here's the thing. Sometimes they have legitimate needs, and sometimes you just wonder, is this just all sort of a, the way you operate? And so after you help, at some point you want to pull back. You ever felt that way? You help somebody and you're like, I just don't have much left here. You know, like I'm running thin. God help me. But I'm going to pull back a bit. And then you kind of feel guilty. You feel that guilt like, ah, I probably should be, man. But... And then um, it, it's just this tension in our own hearts. We want to help, but we don't want to help them and hurt them. And we don't want to help them at the expense of our own uh, sanity at the same time. So, so that's what we're talking about this morning. How do we help needy people, people in need? And, and how do we help them without hurting? So let me give you three things this morning. Number one, we give strategically. We give strategically. We give strategically. Most of the time what we do, and most people's uh, default, is to give emotionally. Mm-hmm. You give emotionally. You feel, feel something, which is not bad. Emotions are good. If, if, you, know, you need your emotions. They may have told you you shouldn't feel things. They're, they're wrong. You know, we're, we're human beings, so we feel things. That's good. That's healthy. But if all we operate is emotionally, we're going to miss some things. Last week we said it, when, when your emotions are high or if your wisdom is low. Yeah. Um, so sometimes with our emotions, we, we respond emotionally to what's going on. And we don't necessarily pray about it, think about it. Uh, we don't necessarily get counsel or wisdom. And so we just respond emotionally. Sometimes we want to act or, or we react to what seems easy or convenient, what makes us feel good. Uh, okay, now I don't feel guilty. I did something, you know. Um, but we don't stop giving strategically when we stop and say, what do they really need? What would genuinely help? What do they really need? What would, what would genuinely help? Um, so it's not just this moment. It was what would help in the long term. And I'm not talking about, you know, going to the grocery store at Aldi and, and somebody forgot their quarter. And you're like, well, what would they really need? You know, <laughs> I mean, long term here in their life. <laughs> No, you can give them a quarter. That's fine. They, they need to get the card out from all the, you know what I'm talking about, right? So that's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, uh, you know, in from a very broad sense, when we went to Haiti on a missions trip, they were telling us about how the U.S. Uh, sent so much aid in the 1990s to Haiti and so much rice. This is, you may not know this, they sent so much rice that it put the rice farmers out of business in Haiti. And they stopped farming. And they stopped knowing how to farm. And the next generation came up, they didn't even know how to grow rice. And so because of the help, we hurt them. So this is a big, I mean, now you're not the government and you're not sending rice to Haiti. So that's a broader than personal, but you get the point. We can help people in such a way we hurt them. So we tried to help Haiti, oh, poor little Haiti, and we actually made their farmers forget how to grow rice and the fields go go, go fallow. So we don't look at the Bible. There's an example of this in the Bible. We're going to turn to Acts chapter 3. We're going to look at Peter and John. To the book of Acts, Peter and John, the, the church is just newly started. Jesus has ascended to heaven. Peter and John are going to worship at the temple. And there's just a handful of believers at this time. And uh, they encounter a man who is crippled, who is uh, begging for money. And so um, we're going to read what happens here. It's Acts chapter 3, verses 3 to 5. It says, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, that's the crippled man, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. So this guy had been a beggar for a long time. We, we imagine he'd been doing this for a long time. It's become fundamental to who he was. And we're not trying to <coughs> down this guy, but if I was 
cripple and that was my only way to, to survive, that's what I would do as well. It's not, this is character flaw. This is just how it worked at that time. Um, and so uh, it does illustrate, though, I mean, if you ask long, and lo long enough about something, this is what people who are needy know. Um, if you ask long enough, you're consistent, persistent enough, people will respond emotionally. This is what parents know. If your kids bug you long, en long enough, <laughs> okay, you know, at some point you just, you just crush and you just like, whatever, <clears throat> I just leave me alone. I just want some peace and quiet. So this guy had relied on others to carry him to the temple, and he would then ask and ask. Not everybody would respond, but at some point somebody's going to feel guilty and someone's going to give him some money, which is how he functioned in life. And so, again, it's not to down this guy, but that's just kind of the, the way he had been operating. So he finds Peter and John coming through, and hey, here's another opportunity to get a little bit of money to keep going down this path that I'm on and try to make it in life. And so what would have been easy for Peter and John to do is to just say, okay, here's a quarter, leave me alone. Um, all right, I'm going to go on and worship God. But instead, they, they took a little bit extra time, and they looked at the guy, paid attention to his situation, and they realized that God could meet this man's need greater than uh, some money or whatever that they could give him. And so they had, this is what I want you to, to kind of pick up on this in this message. We have to be led by the Spirit. Mm -hmm. We're a church that believes the Holy Spirit yes. is um, the third member of the Trinity, like all Christians believe. But we believe the Holy Spirit is working in the world today. Like the Holy Spirit didn't just help the Bible be written. And the Bible authors wrote the Bible, and then now we have the Bible, so we don't need the Holy Spirit. No, the Holy Spirit is just as much God as the Son and the Father. And the Holy Spirit fills our lives, fills our, our communities, fills us so that we can live the life that uh, we are called to live. We don't make this up. This is in the Bible. Jesus talked about when I go to the Father, I'll send my spirit to be with you. And so we need to be led by the spirit in our lives so that we can have wisdom and guidance in situations like this that are not, um, you can turn to a verse and say, what do I do in this verse? Because it's not in a verse. There's principles in the Bible, but then we have to apply it to our situation, which requires principles of God's word and the spirit working in our lives. So Peter and John stop and they don't respond emotionally, but they're led by the spirit. And they say this, and Peter said, silver and gold, I do not have. Verse six, silver and gold, I do not have. This may be the story of your life. Silver and gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Peter and John had a connection with God in such a way that the Spirit would use them, the people could be physically healed. And rather than giving the guy a little bit of money, the Spirit worked through them to heal this man and get him out of the situation. That he no longer had to ask for money. He no longer had to be stuck there. He didn't just kick the can down the road for him, and so he was back in the same spot tomorrow. But it got him into a whole new situation of his life. That's the big idea here. I'm not saying that we're going to go around everywhere we see and say, rise and walk. Although I believe God can do that. And I believe he still does heal people. Yeah. But this is not to say we have to emulate the exact thing that they did. But the idea behind it is that, you know what? What would really help this guy is not just another uh, little bit of money to get him to tomorrow. What would really help him is a whole new way of living. Right. And so yeah. if I take enough time, if I, if I have enough prayer, if I just have a little more faith, a little more effort, a little more sacrifice... I can give this man not a hand out, but a hand up. Yes. That's what we're trying to do when we, when we want to give strategically. We don't just give a hand out, we give a hand up. And sometimes you might give a hand out. It's not wrong. Okay, so you gave a hand out to somebody. It's not to feel guilty about that. But 
more and more I want to give a hand up in my giving, not just a hand out. I don't want to just do it so I feel better. Oh, look at me. I serve somebody. I'm a good person. But what can I truly do to help this person? And that actually might take time. That might actually be harder than me just doing something for 10 minutes and then feeling good. It may actually, I have to get to know them. I have to get into their life a little bit. I have to understand where they're coming from. And that's a little more complicated. And that's why most people don't do it. So it's so much easier just to give a hand out than to give a hand up. Someone may be asking, hey, can you just give me, uh, I need $20. Well, really, do you need $20 or do you need something else? Hey, I just need your attention. I need this. I need that. And, and what will happen is, you know, a lot of times people will, if we don't give them the handout, they may start coming out. Oh, I thought you were a Christian. Oh, I thought you, I thought you said you loved me. I thought you, you know, they'll start using that back end so it can get this awkward moment. But if we push through that and we trust the Lord and we're led by the Spirit, we can actually help people get out of the situation that they're in. Uh, I'll talk just briefly about Mission Lexington here because this is really kind of the model that we operate here because we have to. If we gave handouts, guess what? There would be nothing to hand out. If it was just, hey, can you pay my bill? Sure. There would be no money to pay bills because there's just not enough money in the world to go around and pay everybody's bills. Plus, all of us would be calling, too, to get our bills paid, too, because why not? They pay bills, all right? So we'll get our bills paid. So I, I answer the, you know, I'm the finance manager, but I don't, I don't necessarily deal one-on-one during with people. I'm more of the, the big picture here. But I'll get calls because on the voicemail it says finance manager. So they'll call to my line. Hey, you guys pay live bills? I'm like, okay, all right. Well, hold, hold on a second. Let me get you to the right place. But it's not that simple, right? Um, we have to get a comprehensive, holistic process, which sometimes is, is not well-received. Sometimes people don't like that. And usually I, I find the people that are, that are needy people don't want to go through the process. But the people in need will. That's right. There's a difference. People that are just looking for like a quick fix solution. Hey, just give me some money so I can get on. And they don't want to go through sitting in the lobby, going through an interview, talking about what's going on. They just want the money and I get on my life. The people that are in need will because they have a true need. And they're like, you know, I don't have anywhere else to turn. I mean, if you, if you need me to tell you about what's happened, I'll do that. I'll be humble about it. That's no problem. Um, and so uh, sometimes people want to pay the light bill. Really what they need is to get out of a domestic violence situation. So this is what we do. We got people that uh, work with sister care that if they come in like, you know, I can't pay my bill. Well, the real problem is not the bill. The problem is that you're in this abusive relationship and you don't, the bill is not going to, that's not going to help you. What we need to do is get you to a new, and, and so we have people that can help them further than that. We got people that come in and say, you know, I'm about to get evicted. Um, you know, so can, can you pay my rent? And we'll look at it and we'll say, no, we don't need to pay your rent. You probably do need to be evicted because you can't afford that place. So rather than paying your rent, you're going to be in the same spot next month. Why would we want to pay your rent and then you're just be back to being evicted? What we need to do is find you a sustainable place so you can live and you can work and pay your bills and then you can do that. So that's what we try to do. And that's probably harder than one of us can do in our own lives and busyness of all that. But that's the idea about it. We don't just want to give a hand out. We want to give a hand up to help people get to a better place in their lives. Um, I'm excited as, as you guys maybe can participate on Tuesday. Some of you guys can on this. The discussion around this, how do we do this in a practical way? I know Joyce has been going. So this, this would be, make for good conversation. How do we do that? How do we give a hand up rather than a hand out as we're trying to help people in need? Um, some people do it in their own way. Um, they give to organizations like this. And so rather than saying, you know what, 
Um, I don't know how to help all these people in the community, but I know I can, I can donate to an organization like this that helps people. And I know they have the facilities and the wherewithal to help people and process all that. So some people give very generously to us because they know the money that's coming here will really help people. And churches do that as well. And so that's one way. Um, number two, so let's look at the second thing. We don't not only just um, give strategically, we serve wisely. We serve wisely. Look, look at the way Jesus cared for people and what he did. He served selflessly. He loved authentically. He gave generously. He taught faithfully. He listened compassionately. But then he would step away and he would go and reconnect with God. He would get away from all of the ministry, all of the, the people. He would go off into a quiet place and he would recharge with the Lord. He would go with this rhythm over and over. He, know, he knew that he had to unplug and receive from the Father in order to have something to pour back out. He didn't want to pour out of an empty cup, but pour out of a full cup. So if in order for you and I to keep giving out, we must stop at some point and fill back up. Or you'll have nothing to offer. This is very important because sometimes life is busy. Uh, life is crazy. And, and we get involved in very good things. Um, you've been, you know, maybe you're doing this ministry, you're helping here, doing that. And, and they're good things. But we start going so hard and so fast that we end up, we don't have much to pour out of our cup. And we get a little bit of a burnout happening in our lives. It says this in Mark 1, 35 and 37. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. <laughs> I know that's probably how my wife feels sometimes. We have four kids, um, you know, just trying to find a solitary place. Sometimes it's in the van driveway, in the pull up in the driveway in the van, and she sits in the front, uh, like, where did Cassie go? She never got out of the car. She just, all the kids got out, and she's still in the car, just there. It's like, uh. um, You know, the, the mom that's in the bathroom, like, hiding away. You know, the kids' fingers are under the door. And, you know, I mean, right? Sometimes we need that solitary place in our life. You ever flown on a plane? What do they tell you when you go through the instructions at the beginning? Um, Put the oxygen mask on yourself first, right? And then you can help the person next to you. That's not selfish. That's just wise. Because if you don't have oxygen, you're going to pass out and nobody has oxygen, right? Yeah. This, is, this is something in our lives, a principle that we got to be careful. We, we put the oxygen mask here. Not that we could just like, oh, I got oxygen. Look at you. But, <laughs> right? Hey, I'm good. We do that so that we can then help others. Just like the scripture I said earlier, get a job so that you can help others. At work so that you can be a blessing to somebody else. So, and this really, I want to point out a couple uh, stories as we look at the final two points here. But you look at the story of the Good Samaritan. Jesus told this parable of the Good Samaritan. Most people are familiar with this. If you're not, I'll re recall it really quick. But there's a man that was traveling and uh, he got beat up. And there's people that came by that was supposed to help him, the religious people, the people that at that time were supposed to be the good people, but they didn't do anything in the story that Jesus was telling. And they just walked on by, and then this man that nobody cared about, that thought the people didn't like, came along and actually showed compassion. And this was Jesus' way of telling people that, you know, often the people that think they're the, the most spiritual and the greatest are not. And we've got to be careful how we judge people and so on. But, but in the story, I want to point out something that most people don't look at. The Samaritan helps the man, binds up his wounds, brings it, it says, to a, a hotel. Uh, I don't know if it was like the hotels we have, but it was a place to stay, a place to lodge. And he, he gave the man money. He gave the, the innkeeper, okay, some, some money to uh, let the guy stay there. And then he said, um, 
when I return, I won't pay any more that you know, this man owes for his stay here until he recovers. So that implies, what did he do? He left. He didn't help him, but he also left. So one thing he didn't do was sit by the guy's hand and hold his hand there and, you okay, buddy? You okay? You doing okay? Give him a little neck rub. And No, he actually left. Left some money, and he went on his way at some point, went on with his life. He didn't get his life consumed in this thing. He went, I don't, we don't know where he went. Jesus doesn't tell us, but very, very likely he probably went either home to his family because they needed him too, right? Because that's his family, that's his primary responsibility. Or he went back to his job because he had to make money so that he could bring more money back to pay the bill, right? You see how that works? It's, it's, I never really thought about this. Just think about it the other day. I mean, this guy had to leave to go on with his life so he could continue to help this man. If he would have put his whole life on pause, he wouldn't have been able to help him further. So we got we got to think about that. Um, when it, when it relates to serving people, we got to serve wisely. We have to keep our health uh, in order so that we can be healthy enough to help somebody else. Mm-hmm. Somebody put it um, this way once. That you, can, you can't say yes, and there's a blank here, you can't say yes often if you don't say no occasionally. You can't say yes often if you don't say no occasionally. Sometimes we have a hard time saying no. Someone asks us for something like, oh, they asked. But we got to be careful. We got to serve wisely because you can't say yes often if you don't say no occasionally. Sometimes we have to say no to the good things that come our way and be led by the Spirit in our lives. Number three, and we'll wrap it up with this. We trust completely. We trust completely. Um, We trust God completely. We have to trust God with the results. When we help people in need, we have to trust the Lord with the results. So it's easy to get bound up in what's happening, how it went, what they responded like. We had good intentions, but then it went this way. We have to trust, trust God with the results. God is faithful. He's working. He's he's already at work in the world. He's already at work in this person's life. And he's already there in advance when I showed up and after I leave. And that this whole situation is not on my shoulders. Their solution. I am not the solution to their problem. I am only a conduit of God's blessing at this moment. I'm only a conduit of his blessing in this moment. But I am not the solution. I am not the savior. Um, Jesus is the Savior. This is what we really have to get into our heads. You know, it's insulting. Sometimes it's even dangerous to think that we are the source, we are the solution of everybody's problems. Like, I, I'm going to be the answer to your, your issues. That i got to meet everybody's needs. You know, it's, it's dishonoring to God that we think we are necessary in every situation, every case, every need that we have to show up to meet the need. What we're doing is we're putting ourselves in God's place. We're thinking, you know what? God needs me. Well, he will use you, but he doesn't need you. God has many other ways, but he, he wants to use you because he wants you to be a blessing and he wants you to be blessed in the process. But we have to be careful that we don't start propping ourselves up too high because a lot of things will start crumbling in and we will get disillusioned, we'll get hurt. We'll get, man, I tried to help that person. They didn't do this. Man, man, I'm never going to help anybody again. You know, we start, you know, we start having an attitude about it, which is not, we don't need to carry that weight. We did what God asked us to do. We serve, we help, and the results we trust to God. That's right. We, we trust in God. 
I can't fix this person. I can't solve this problem. That's beyond me. I can barely fix myself, you know, and I need God to help me. So how am I going to fix this other person? Sometimes we have to trust the process that God is up to in a person. You know, I know we used to do recovery ministry as a church, and we were really highly involved in that. And, and they would talk about how people in recovery are, are sometimes it takes several, I don't know, there's statistics on it, but it, it's not necessarily the first time someone tries to get help. It's a bunch of time. Third or fourth, Third or fourth time down the road, Todd says 10. So it's a lot. It's 500 times. We don't know. But you might be one of those times helping somebody that maybe it didn't quite get there, but it was a seed planted. It was something along the way. And you're moving them down the road because you're faithful in what God asked you to do. If we think we got to see the results, we'll get discouraged, we'll give up, and we'll stop being faithful to what God's asking us to do. We'll just throw our hands there. What's the point anyways? No, I'm not seeing anything. We're not, that's, God's not asking us to fix everything. He's asking us to be faithful to do what he's asking us to do. Sometimes we have to trust the process. Um, you see this in the story of the prodigal son. In the process that God works through sometimes is consequences. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 7, and 8 that a man will reap what he sows. You sow to please the simple nature, you'll reap destruction. You sow to please the spirit, you'll reap eternal life. Sometimes God works through consequences. In the story of the prodigal son, the son runs away, and he, he spits in the father's face, essentially, saying, give me uh, what I would receive when you die. Basically, I want you to die now so I can have the money, the inheritance. He takes it, leaves the younger son. He shows no respect for the father. But the father does not, one, stop loving his son. But two, he doesn't chase him, nag him, beg him, plead with him. He lets him go. And then go experience the consequences of a life away from the father. And this son finds out that, you know what, this life I thought would be so awesome and amazing really isn't. And the friends I thought were going to be so great gave up on me. Now I'm sitting in this pig pen and I'm eating the stuff that pigs eat. And I, I, don't, I don't think this is really what I want my life to look like. He had to get to a place the Bible says he came to his senses. And if that came through the consequences of his choices, it came to his senses. And he realized, you know what, this is not... This is not the best way I want to live my life. I know there's something more. And he, he gets up and goes back to the father who has open arms, welcoming him, looking to a distance. The moment he can see him on the horizon, he starts running to him. He, he lets go of his dignity. He's like, I'm not going to sit back here and be prideful. I'm going to run to my son. I'm going to receive him. But, but what he didn't do is go chase him down and try to rescue him out of the pig pen. Let the pig pen do its work on his son. And then he was there to receive him back in grace and love. So sometimes we have to look at, look at the consequences and understand that God sometimes works through those things. And if we, if we remove consequences, especially as parents, we run into this all the time. We want to save, want to help them. Oh, you know, Dane forgets his iPad, you know, all the time. You know, i got to bring it up to the school. And at some point it's like, hey, maybe I shouldn't bring it to school, you know. Because at some point maybe he'll learn, i got to remember my iPad. You know what I'm saying? I get that lunch attention. That's no fun. You know, no, so the ID. the ID too. That, that's another one. No, I don't get your attention from my iPad. Oh, your ID. Thank you. That's good to know. Um, so we got to understand that, that rescuing isn't always helping. That's one thing we understand here. When we trust God with consequences, we got to trust that our job isn't to rescue people. Always to rescue them from their things because that doesn't always help. You know, sometimes you know, all these different things that people go through, we, we want to dive in, we want to rescue. But we got to be careful. Sometimes we can, we can help people. We can help pull them up when they're reaching up. 
But we got to be careful. If they're not reaching up and you're trying to rescue, that rescue is probably not going to go so well. When someone's saying not looking for much, then maybe not to a place where they've come to their senses. And that rescue is just going to get you hurt and them hurt and all this sort of entanglement going on. So I know this isn't easy. I know this is complicated. And, and this makes a really good discussion, honestly. So I hope you can make it to the group on, on Tuesday if you can. Um, but we need to be led by the Spirit. We need to serve others uh, also from a posture of humility. We need to serve others from a posture of humility. Um, you know, as we want to help people, we've got to be careful we don't see people as projects. Right. Am I a project person? Yeah. Right. People are our brothers and sisters. Amen. Whatever their circumstances are. They're people that God loves just as much as he loves you. Yes. And no matter what their circumstances are, we are not better than, we're not above, but we, are, we may have been blessed and we, maybe God has helped us along so we can help somebody else. So we got to be careful. We, we serve with a posture of humility, but ultimately we all can come to the awareness that each one of us is in need. All of us have needs. That this person's need might be different than mine. And it might be life-controlling. It might be very debilitating for them right now. But I have needs as well. So I'm in the same boat as them. Um, you, you find this out, especially when you go to like a mission trip. I mentioned Haiti. When we went there uh, several years ago to Haiti, about five years ago, you go and, and, and you come from a position of financial prosperity to a country that's absolutely impoverished. No one there has anything. People don't even have clothes. Kids walk around naked. Like, there's no other country like that. You can go, I've been to a lot of other countries, poor countries. This is the only country where children and even teenagers are walking around naked. They have nothing. But we went to the church service. Okay, We gathered with other believers and Christians, and they did have something. They did have something. They didn't have any money. They didn't have much. They lived in a little shack. But they had the Spirit of God in their lives, and they had joy. They had such a peace in their lives that I'm sitting there like, man, if I could have just an ounce of that. If I so so when we help others, we gotta realize they might be able to help us. That's right. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not here to hate hate to fix all these problems. I'm here. Maybe I can learn something from them. So as we reach out to give a hand up, we might be able to get a hand up ourselves if we have a posture of humility. Because people, we have different sorts of needs in our lives, and someone who's in need might actually be able to help us with a need in our life if if we're willing to experience it that way. And that's why it's so powerful to be a part of the family of God, be a part of a church where we can help one another. We can be there for one another in each other's points of need. Um, you know, that's what it's about to be a church family. Lynn comes and teaches my daughter uh, piano, and she comes and uses her gifts, and, and piano teaches Olivia. That's like the highlight of her week to play piano when Lynn comes and teaches her on Mondays at the house. And Lynn's using her gifts and, and, and being a blessing, and we can help each other out. This is, this is a powerful thing to be a part of the church. Um, David put it this way in Psalm 70 verse 5 he says but as for me I am poor and needy come quickly to me O God you are my help you are my deliverer the Lord do not delay the Lord is the deliverer we are the delivery system sometimes but God is the deliverer he will use us uh, if we are willing we always got to keep ourselves with a posture of humility knowing that that we serve we trust completely uh, the Lord when we serve others. So as we, we wrap this up this morning, um, and you guys will come, I just wonder who, uh, who might be here this morning, and this message is touching your heart in such a way where you realize, you know, God, God needs to, I want to be used by God to be a voice of encouragement to somebody else, to be 
uh, an instrument that, uh, of him that, that helps people in need. I, I don't want to be someone that sits back and lives my life comfortably um, just for myself. Or I don't want to be one of those people that just gives just enough so I don't feel bad. My, my whole point in giving is so that I, I don't feel bad. But I want to be somebody that will serve and give so that I can, I can actually help somebody out of their situation somehow, some way. I can imagine if you take that approach, knowing what to do is going to be a little bit more challenging. A lot easier just to give a hand out. It's harder to give a hand up, and so it takes prayer. It takes being led by the Spirit. It takes asking God, God, what do you want me to do? And trying to sense what he's at least telling you to do. And so as we, we wrap this up this morning, you would just bow your heads with me and close your eyes. We're going to pray together. If you're here today and you'd say, you know what, I, I want to be better at pointing people to Jesus. As I'm trying to help people in need, I want to be better at pointing them to the one that can really help them. If you raise your hand and say, yeah, I want to be that person. I want to help be better at pointing people to Jesus. I want to help people in a way that lifts them up. I see so many hands. Thank you very much. You put them back down. Lord, I thank you, God, this morning. God, that you've given us people in this church that are generous, kingdom-minded, Lord God, that want to reach out into this community, into this world, and help people that are struggling. Lord, I pray that you would give us a heart that breaks for the things that break your heart, God. Lord, give us eyes to see needs. God, even when we pass by people, maybe every day there's people in our lives and they seem okay. They seem, they seem like everything's fine. They, they play it off pretty well. Lord, give us eyes to see beyond just what people present on the surface. Lord, I thank you that you're going to use us this week. Lord, I ask that you give us wisdom. Lord, help us to know what, what you want us to do. God, help us not to react emotionally to things when we see a need, but Lord, in our emotion, Lord, give us wisdom. God, give us guidance by your spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. As we just keep praying this morning, if, you would, if you're here this morning and you would say, you know what, the biggest need in my life I can recognize is, is that I have a spiritual need. I'm a spiritual. I came in the doors this morning and, and there's a need in my life. I need I need to be connected to God. My life isn't connected to Him and um, because of that, maybe other things in my life are not working the way they should. If you're here this morning and say, you know, this morning I, I would like to connect with my Heavenly Father. I want Jesus to come in my life and be my Savior, my Lord, wash away my sins, make me new, give me life. If that's you, if you would lift your hand this morning, I just would love to pray with you. Yeah, thank you. Anybody else? If that's you, so, you know what? I, I want to surrender my life to Jesus this morning. Amen. The Bible says we don't earn our salvation through what we do. We don't become Christians. We don't become connected to God by helping somebody else in need, although that's what God wants us to do. But we become connected him through Jesus and what he's done for us. When he died on the cross for our sins, when he took upon himself the penalty of our of our sins and our our issues and our our, our 
negativity that we brought toward God. So if you just pray with me this morning. Everybody pray with me. Heavenly Father, forgive my sins. Make me new. Fill me with your spirit so I can know you and show your love. My life is not my own. I give it to you. Thank you for a new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.